What's going on, Josh? We are back after a uh, nice hiatus, thanks to COVID and both of our companies kind of needing our attention, staying, uh, staying very busy. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we booked a spa visit, we got centered, mm-hmm. you know, we feel, we feel good. And uh, I think what we're kind of bringing back, as everyone's noticing now, video. Yeah, don't yeah. hate me if I don't look at the camera all the time. I'm so used to podcasting, it's new, new element, but uh, new co-hosts. Yeah, we'll introduce him in uh, in a minute. And between him and some some new guests lined up, um, some sponsors, and a lot of good conversations. A lot more episodes. A lot more episodes. Not just the once every couple of weeks. You know, we're going to be doing more episodes, new content, new topics. I think we're going to, you know, giving the people what they want. Yeah, which is filmmakers' guide to the industry. Yeah, for all you guys that don't know, well, now filmmakers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get uh, let's get started and introduce our new co-host, Stu McLaughlin, with us. Uh, so you know, we thought it'd be nice to add a third wheel to this whole shindig. Uh, you know, we like Stu, but not enough to actually like have him with us. So he's just like remotely in a dark room, like on a phone, like by you know, go somewhere else. Stu. L- lying to his family, actually. Yeah. Good family man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me and that warm welcome. Yes, I am actually in a uh, in a yeah dark corner of the room. Uh, my daughter is at at home today, so I'm hiding from her. But no, I uh, yeah appreciate you guys bringing me on. Um, you know, new season of FGI, and you know, you obviously liked the episode that I was on. I think it was one of your longer and less viewed episodes. But thanks for bringing me back again. You you gave us that watch time though, so we'll we'll take it. it the aver- the average the average uh, watch time went up. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. I, Will this guy say anything interesting? I'll give you the sh- I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It was definitely our best episode. Low key, yeah. Maybe one of you guys chose that for in the uh, later segment to to revisit. So yeah, yet we, to be seen. We just knew the whole time after that episode. We're like, man, you know who's really got it out of all these episodes that we did we should make that guy the co-host that's what we said yeah and since and since then um my my old boss uh one of my mentors uh jimmy duke is now a podcaster like he just he he does it so regularly uh he put a little duke meister i know right just so he wasn't available i liked him he's cool i like the duke yeah you were Stu's who showed up when we (laughs) rolled the whiskey bottle down the street he's the guy that popped out after it so I was a close second, though. Yeah, need need podcasting co-host. I saw Josh on the side of the road. And, uh, I pulled over to help him. <laughs> Just had the cardboard <laughs> sign out there with the speaker and the. Oh my god! Please, please, box. please. Yeah, the boombox cardboard sign. Uh, need help. All right. Well, we got uh, we got three of us now, so um, that's the beauty of um, kind of the new format of FGI. Not only are we doing video, which we've already awkwardly acknowledged two or three times, and we'll continue to do so because it is very weird to have a camera pointing at us right now. Yeah, after thirty episodes of just audio, no one having to see my face, I kind of liked the podcasting side of it because I didn't have to do anything. Like I could just show up in pajamas if I wanted to. Now everybody understands my trauma from all the past episodes. Uh, good point. <laughs> That's why we stopped. I mean, Josh, you, you still can. You still can show up from there. Everyone's maybe I should just. Home. Yeah, maybe I should just. Well, we're not at home. Maybe you are. Yeah, you're definitely at home. Yeah. So Stu, um, you who, couldn't tell with this nice background. Yeah, the the fan. <laughs> um, remind remind everybody uh, who you are and why are you moderately important. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> well, thank you. That uh, why am I moderately important? Well, you know, since you guys are on the, you know, you you invited me on the show, so we're I sitting in the high tower. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. So, yes, Stu McLaughlin. I'm uh, happy to be here on some of these episodes coming up as well. Um, I am the director of creative strategy for the Riot Agency, and I am also an executive producer at Greenlit Entertainment, which is a EPK behind the scenes. Uh, entertainment property marketing company um yeah josh and i started that um you know many many moons ago and you know we've we've worked you know kevin as well too on a many product like co-production everything and yeah it's you know I'm, I'm happy to be part of the you know conversation and the reboot of of fgi i think 
all of us kind of bring something uniquely different. I always enjoy talking to you guys and, you know, picking your brain on, you know, your specific expertise, um, you know, Kevin, you know, production and just, you know, overall media and what we're into now, Josh, same thing, greenlit the whole deal. I think, I think there's going to be some good episodes coming up. So, yeah. So, I mean, greenlit one of the many like drunken, um, you know, ideas, alcohol induced ideas mm-hmm. that me and Stu have had over the years. Um, I don't think that, no, I don't think, I think that was a, a realization. That one was, <laughs> may, oh, maybe, maybe you're right. Actually. Yeah, no, it's good. I like to add some humor to everything. Um, most of my stories are probably not true. Everyone should know that now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was kind of like a, a result of the, you know, like the film festival circuit yep. and kind of what we learned from that. Um, which you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of heat that film festivals get, but in the grand scheme of things, if you utilize them properly, there is something to be learned and gained from. Yeah, at film festivals exactly. And like, I think the biggest thing was just kind of what we heard. It was actually we we were at Sunscreen together. Yep, I ran into you at Sunscreen, mm-hmm. and it was that producer panel we were at with Marty Poole and a couple other people. Yeah, that I was there with uh, Eric Stallmaker. We yep. were debuting one of our short films that we were just you know now really expecting to to win anything and it i don't think so many years ago i don't recall it ever winning anything but it was nice to be accepted in and then we took advantage of the fact that as soon as you're you're um you're in you get discounts on all the tickets and you get you know you get like an upgrade and if you buy like the silver level you get like a platinum for free you you know you get Mm -hmm. because you were um, your film was admitted in. So yeah, the, I remember going to, man, I must've went to like eight panels over three days, went to the keynote, went to the dinner. Um, you know, a long time ago, long time ago, at but, this point. but you know, it's just because of that, like we reconnected, we had been introduced at that point two or three times lightly by uh, Andrew Artoski, who was, yeah, you had come and done some camera work for us mm-hmm. when me and Andrew were at uh, another agency. Yep, yep. I think it was like at that point, I think maybe two jobs. Yep. Um, and then ran into you at that film festival, and it was like, oh, hey, again, you know. So it was just kind of that reconnection, and mm-hmm. you know, being like, oh, well, we're both in the same producer panel, and clearly interested in the same thing, and then that kind of. I think after that, you finally allowed Andrew to officially book me because um, you probably were fighting him at that point a little bit. Why would I have been fighting Andrew to book you? Because you fight Andrew on everything. That's oh, just because I like to give Andrew a hard time. Yeah, so then at my demise, like I was getting, oh, are you sure you want to hire this who, Kevin guy? I just like to see the, the information overload that oh, happens in Andrew or Toski's brain. Like, it's very uh, entertaining. You know, Very like, entertaining. Uh, I was just on a job with him, um, what, two days ago over in Orlando. I was cam opting for an agency out there, and he was the gaffer. So. Oh, it's a perfect opportunity to um, give some kids out there a little bit of learning on Titan Tubes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a little learning lesson from Mr. Andrew Otoski. Don't put your Titan tubes in the case on standby. Yep, Andrew. Yep, I turned on, turn, opened up the case to see all all my Titan tubes are still on in standby mode. Drain like 20-30%. They've just, just been chilling for the last 2 days on standby <sighs> mode. It's like, "All right, cool. I guess that's how we're doing things." Unprofessional. <laughs> it was probably one of his grips that did that, but still quite entertaining. I mean, can uh can't just say it's oh one of his grips it's yeah, his never department know. it's his department his He's department de- department head supposed to put eyeballs on everything in his defense he did have me as a key grip for how long oh god and those were probably bad years i mean you and i almost went fisticuffs a few times did we <laughs> i felt like it <laughs> <laughs> everyone thinks that about me though yeah. no one thinks i like them they all think i want to fight them it's just like no it's just my personality yeah you're fine warm and Warm and I don't know what you fuzz, think. Warm and fuzzy. How am I, Stu? How's my personality? Is it? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Kevin on that one. Warm and fuzzy is definitely <laughs> yeah. a not a yeah. term. Warm you're and fuzzy. Pro- you're with actually a probably more you're Bill actually Belichick probably... than Tom Brady. Described more as like a, uh, you know, so commonly described across so many different people the same way. So you must you, you got to be doing something right there. I so, have a rap. Yeah, definitely. Definitely warm and fuzzy. Hopefully this podcast dispels all of that. Well, speaking of podcasts, we might as well continue on uh, on this uh, train wreck. Um, what's uh, what's the next topic that we need to be talking about, Stu? Keep us in line here. Well, I think, you know, 
we talked a little bit about Stu. I think uh, what I'd like to know is like, uh, you know, what's been happening with you? You know, we took such a long hiatus, you know, like what has everyone been doing since we took that hiatus? I mean, because not only did we take a hiatus, but like we also all three worked together on stuff during that hiatus period as well. So I think it's good. Like, uh, let's just give like a brief five minute catch up and then um, we can probably get into the the next part after that. So like what's uh, Mr. Kev and Two Stories been doing since last time we were all on this? Uh, since the last time we are a team of five now, we, I think when we took our little hiatus, we were only a team of three. So we went from three to five. Um, so we're definitely growing over here. Um, I mean, just productions left and right. Seriously. I mean, we're working with about six different agencies now doing various productions, production support, various times we get hired to be, um, you know, everything from the director, DP, G&E camera department we fill all the roles and we are the legit production company on the jobs and then and in other situations we'll just be hired to fill in um um as production support on you know just just G&E for example or like I said uh, just a few days ago I was working with Andrew over in Orlando um with an agency out there and I was the cam op and um so that was that one was kind of a low level situation for TSM in the sense that it was just me as the cam op and I but I brought camera various camera support uh that they sub rented from us and also our uh one 1.5 ton that we now have so um i think that's also something that's elevated we had a just a kind of like a baseline one ton at the time um now we're at a very beefy 1.5 and it goes out quite often and works for us and um outside of that i mean my um for myself, I mean, I'm freelance cam hopping and gaffing um, probably four or five days a month. And then for two stories, I mean, we're, our client list has, has grown. We're, we're doing work for University of South Florida, Tampa International Airport, Trademark Interiors. Still have Sailing Cerebral, the uh, sailing um, channel what on What season YouTube. is that in? Uh, season three, by the time this... Damn. By the time this video airs, um, I remember when it was just in concept phase. Uh-huh. That's went fast. Yeah, crazy, right? He's so yeah. Season three, um, they end in the Gal- Galapagos. Um, so sailing uh, cat- 40, uh, 47 foot cat- catamaran captain brings on three new crew members every three months, and he keeps he's circum circumnavigating the globe. Um, so who do you have? I mean, that's a good quick convo, or then it might even be another episode. Talks about the logistics. Oh, that's a whole. That's definitely should be a whole, whole other episode. Whole another episode. Which I definitely honest, like to talk about how you guys run that show and, and what honestly, the logistics I can, behind it is. I can get uh, Gerard the captain on. Yeah, um, that'd be dope. That'd be pretty cool because you know he's obviously been a part of it so long. Not only being the captain on the boat, but also seeing production personnel come and go, mm-hmm. uh, helping with logistics. You know, he he has a whole server farm on his boat to oh wow to hold all the footage. All the footage. I think he has like twenty terabytes on his boat. Wow. Um, and you know, he has to he has to keep everything safe there, like literally while they're in, you know, wherever they are, quite frankly, uh, because they are recording with their phones and GoPros um at minimum every other day. That's that's the minimum requirement is every other day they have to record something. There's so do you always have a camp well well not go too much more in depth so we can do an episode, but do you always have a camera guy on the no, boat? No, okay. we do not. No. So we we will have a camera, um, a cam op on the boat um, anywhere between two and four times um, during that three-month span. So nice. um, this, so season four was two times, and they were there for about nine days each. Um, and then season five, which just finished recording, um, we had, th- we had three, three six-day windows. So it depends on where they're going to go because we actually have to fly to them. Um, so, yeah, season three is uh, finishing right now. The, it's going to be 14 episodes um, with something crazy like 25 additional clips on their YouTube channel. And they're they're doing great. I mean, they're 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 killing it right now. Season four starts goes into post-production mid-December with that probably airing first week or two of February. Season four will start. Nice. Um, exclusively on youtube yep and right now for now they're put the link here kevin yeah oh 
check check it out. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's. I know kind of... now. Now that we have the video, the video incorporated, you can add the link. Now. I know it's nice, right? It's a whole new element, man. I feel like I'm in the 21st century. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, two stories. You know, we're we're doing great. Like I said, like local. You know, that's that's our international one, which has just been ridiculously fun to be on. I mean, I've been on the boat on four different occasions myself. Uh, pretty much everyone from our team has been on at least once. Um, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, USF, Tampa International, we've done two. We just did two campaigns with them. Um, and the uh, the comedic campaign will air uh, Q1, Q2 of next year. So really excited for that one to, to hit. Um, and then the photo portion of that campaign was actually shot here at our studio. So they hi- they hired a different photographer. They have a preferred photographer to handle that. But it was, sh- it was still shot here at our studio. So nice. Lot of lot of cool concepts there. Um, they're really kind of leaning into like the Geico commercials, where there's a comedic element, but not overly trying to sell their product. Which, well, not even product, their service. Their service is they just want people to fly in and out of one of TPA. the best airports in the country. Seriously, do not play me on that. Been to a lot of airports. Stu, you can probably say the same thing. Like. TPA very underrated. Oh my god, I don't even know. Is it underrated anymore? No, I mean it's just like they're they're winning all sorts of travel 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 awards left and right. Maybe a diamond, yeah. Maybe like an unknown. Maybe like a diamond in the Roth. Like such a great airport. It really is. It really is. And all the additions and changes they did to it, like didn't you know? Like that's always my biggest fear. You have a great airport, they make changes, Mm -hmm. and then it usually is like not better. They made all the changes and it was... It's just different. It was just different, but it wasn't worse. It was a little bit better in some cases, but it was just still the quality of TPA. And I was like, damn. Yep. yep. So, um, but yeah. Giant Flamingo. All right, guys. All right, guys. You can you can catch uh, Josh's review of... Of the TPA the airport. <laughs> domestic. Yeah, of all the airports on this other podcast. You know, uh, on Wednesdays, I for... give all the new flights incoming and outbound. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So either way. Gentlemen, Kev, I, you know, that's awesome to hear. Uh, thank you for the recap. Like, and I know we'll be diving into uh, a lot of stuff with two stories over the next couple episodes. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like a, a sweet one to feature. I think, you know, as, as we build this and get into it, I mean, all these little aspects of, you know, the gear that they have to put on a, you know, you're out there on a boat and just doing the whole deal. Like that's, that's cool. So, uh, yeah you know, kind of wanted to get into our next segment that we have here. I mean, you guys, I think last aired in, uh, end of 2020. So, you know, obviously that wasn't that long ago. No, that was a long ago. I thought we ended in like the middle of 2020. It was definitely ended to the end. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was, I think it was October, August or yeah. So so we're kind of coming. Yeah. It's gone quick. And you know, I had a kid since then. You had a kid then. Did I? Yeah, you had a kid then. Oh yeah, I did have a kid then. It's been it's it's felt very long. Yes, the, <laughs> the, the lives of our children, our children. So, but you know, speaking of that, and kind of you know, it's good to hear everyone's growing. It's here to it's good to hear everyone's good and busy. And you know, the last time that you guys were on, you kind of painted a picture. And you know, a lot of the guests during COVID, a lot of the a lot of the talks was like how everything was changing. You know, right then between policies between uh just logistics what people could do limits everything like that like you know kind of going back and staying busy and working throughout and then here today you know what's kind of you know what's your feel on you know production has it you know changed really in any way significantly has it uh you know different policies has it made it better is it worse you know kind of just give us a little uh rundown of what you you know how you see the industry today for the I'll, listeners. I'll speak from the film side. You can talk from like commercial and other side. From the film side, I mean, it's definitely added um, an additional cost. Yep. You know, the as of right now, you know, some of the guidelines and stuff are still in place, but it's added the additional cost of having the COVID compliance officer yep. and all the additional PPE that you need. I know it's still loosening. You know, as we go, it's loosening significantly. Yes. But it's still present. But there is still some additional cost present. It's nowhere near what it was at the time. Um, The cost is nowhere near what it was at the time. So not only has that all loosened, but the costs of all that have come down. You know, SAG is still SAG. You got to be complying with those regulations. Are they still 
it's tough? not it's nowhere near it's totally different scenario okay. you Good. know like it's way relaxed totally different than what it was um but like i said stuff is still present costs are still there it's not completely gone um and so you know uh like for example you know my wife's a costume designer in the industry she is probably way more active than i am because what i do a lot of now is like prelim budgeting and and producer work that i'm doing from home i'm not on set as much as i used to be you know and but she's on set all the time still you know they're still asking for pcr tests but they're doing them from their locations now you Mm -hmm. know because tests aren't free anymore and so they're doing tests or you got to provide a at-home test to show that you're negative and then you know they've got some productions have mass policies some don't and that's kind of and then some of the bigger ones you're still testing you know every so often but that's really that's really it yeah you I know mean, um, last year alone i probably had to get tested when i say last year i mean 2021 i probably had to get tested a good 40 50 times yeah and this year 2022 i'm probably at like five like seriously four maybe five Just a lot I'll, of places not requiring it anymore because i mean yeah you're a little bit different setup because since you have clients, you're yeah. based on what they want. And if yeah. a lot of them don't really want to do it. Yeah. But even the agency jobs, like the, again, yeah. the one I just referenced, you know, the one in Orlando just two days ago, like I didn't have to do anything for them, Yeah. but that same exact client six months ago was, um, you had to get tested and it was masks on set that exact same agency. So in six months they went from still, you know, requiring it all to here we are six months later and they're like, no, we good. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they passed that threshold and six months ago, they probably couldn't, could have loosened up, but for whatever reason, they didn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, and it could have been their client could have also been mandating that because obviously it's an agency and they have their own client. Bigger, com- bigger companies have been less, yes, s- less willing to relax the guidelines and the requirements exactly. than smaller companies. Yeah. So, and it was one of the reasons why Tampa International, we did two campaigns with them. The comedic one I referenced a second ago, and then we did also their uh, their new parking campaign because they opened up a new parking garage and mm-hmm. new entry raised into their, all their short and long-term parking. Don't so we, get us back on TPA, I know, dude. right? God. But um, that, yeah, that, was, was that was one of the reasons. Make a note to myself to see about TPA sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they, one of the reasons they were waiting was for the regulations to die down because they even admitted that it would, it would, kill their budget mm. i mean they had pretty sizable budget for both those jobs don't get me wrong i mean you know actually very fair numbers very fair numbers but that just would have added another layer that they were that they didn't want to incur that cost right and cut into their budget i think it's safe to say that like from a film side you don't really have to consider it all that much anymore no. i mean you got to have your line item your budget line item for it but you know you're hiring a COVID compliance officer who in some cases could also be your set medic. So mm-hmm. if you're hiring your set medic, you've got your CCO or your CCO. And, um, you know, that's, I mean, that's really as, as far as I think about it anymore. I just have a budget line item. I know someone's going to have to be hired and I put some line items for, you know, tests and things like that. If it's a film and copy paste, that's done, man. Like the rest not all these hand wash stations anymore. You know, we're not individually bagging the lunches anymore. Like buffet lines are back. Like, you know, so it's kind of, it's getting pretty close to business as usual again, I think. So when the buffets are open, dude, it's it's a win. Yeah. It's a win. It's all good. So it's, it's interesting because that's kind of the biggest thing that you're noticing. Um, now being an office man, um, what I'm definitely seeing was that for all those out there, (laughs) Was that a punch in the gut? Was that derogatory? Was was that Ken? I mean, Kevin taking a swipe. Here? I know. I, I I'm just talking. Um, so what we do on podcasts, we talk. Yeah. Um, I'm hurt. You know, when when Stu, you brought this question up to us a few days ago, and kind of think on it, the the two things that really really came to mind for me was the fact that uh, vertical video has taken off, left s- off significantly. To the point to where Adobe has like templates for it now. I know it's so funny, um, <laughs> and I've seen people recording the camera vertically and spinning it. And I'm like, oh my god! To today, I got oh. I got my guy Ryan in Orlando um, doing a shoot, uh, cam op in a shoot, and this 
specific requirement was to ensure that the camera can go vertical on the on the, on the gimbal? Yeah, I have a. Uh, I, that's a great point that you brought up yep. for sure. Definitely since twenty twenty. How much? Of, how much of a dinosaur am I by being perturbed by that? I guess I'm such a cinema purist. It, there, this is yeah, not cinema, no. so you know. For sure, that's that's yep. probably how we all grew up, and you know how our brain makes sense too. You know, even going to the square. Yeah. Which is oh. like a which is a format that's you know pretty universal now, like across everything. No one has their own little yeah. uh, custom ratios and everything that you have to do. You know, it's it, you shoot different. You think about it, but yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, camera rigs now. I've seen it where just you know the mm-hmm. guys will uh, have an arm, you know, just right off the cage, and just have like a little have their phone attached right to it, and just 4K, you know, pop the same. If you can, yeah. you know, just get the if you can just grab the content, so. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. The, the piece. square. I I'm still bothered by the square. I it's mean, a, I I'm okay with the vertical now. I mean, six months ago is kind of when I turned the corner. But uh, who get who? How is square like a fun way to watch anything? You know, there's no there's no vertical. The there's no horizontal. Like, you know, yeah. like it's definitely the most responsive across the uh, across yes. the universe. I mean, I'm not too surprised because like when we did, you know, we did social media for a movie called. Uh, taste of love that starred marty cove and um, jesse cove it was all shot here in uh st pete dunedin area um and on that you know we did a lot of vertical because we're doing social media and so we did a lot i would say we did a lot of you know stories and you know vertical content as opposed to even just normal posts Mm -hmm. what would you say our post ratio was Stu? uh stories to um just normal posts it was probably like what 80 70 30 like 30 70 percent of our posts were stories and oh everything yeah yeah so i mean i mean you talk about like you know social media platforms and maybe that's like a conversation uh you know we could kind of talk off but you know in a in a different segment but you know 2020 and where it is now i mean yeah i mean it's gone from the instagram to if you don't have a tiktok you're a dinosaur like myself and it has, yeah, I mean, really, really kind of changed. Again, it just proves continually the, you know, the media and content uh, need for all these platforms and the continual, you know, amount that people are creating. I mean, it's it's baffling to me. So still even looking, you know, years back on it and how it keeps changing and changing. Evolving, I guess, is a yeah, better that's, word. I mean, that's the evolution yeah. of it. So with that, my second point was on um on meta so all of the social channels that meta owns upwards of 80 percent of the video content is digested silently that's why everyone puts subtitles and text on it it's because i mean i get it cap closed captioning graphic reinforcement text reinforcement or and or ensuring that the story can be told silently with just the visuals yeah I get it. I mean, that's something we've started doing a lot is having to consider the subtitles and mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, add that and check it and integrate that in graphics. A whole, whole lot of stuff that we didn't do, you know, a year and a half ago. Yep. So it wasn't, you know, we might have done it in certain cases, but like it wasn't a, basically a requirement yep. like it used to be. Yep. So, yep. So, and then because a yeah, lot it's of. A... Go ahead, Stu. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, Stu, go ahead. I was going to say it's a, you know, a nod back to it. I mean, you think about the person like, you know, on their way to work, like on a subway, just how they ingest their stuff. You know, it's a five or 15 second ingestment of watching stories flipping through, you know, the service, you know, maybe with headphones, not. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like gone back to silent movies. Like, how do I get this thing in 15 seconds with no sound? And, you know, yeah, text has come back as like a, a very important element, you know, in it. it's not just the visuals. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'll have music playing and I'll just start doom scrolling on a social channel just for 10 minutes of mini entertainment because maybe I'm waiting for a phone call to happen or, you know, the kids are just a few minutes away from getting home and I'm just like, let me just kind of somewhat shut my brain off, but I'm listening to music. You got something else going on in the background and you don't want to interrupt it or whatever, you know, like you're just scrolling with the sound off. I think we're all very guilty of this and it just shows that it's it's here to stay so between the vertical content and the, the silent content it's it's a new day and age for for content yeah definitely 
New, yeah, you know. that's a. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say I have a. Uh, you know the the point that I brought to there in bringing to the table is almost like the exact opposite to where you're talking about consuming media silently and watching and how you have to learn it. My thing was the return of the summer blockbuster. Is it here to stay or is it here Ooh. just on a whim? And I bring that up. Obviously, you know, Top Gun Maverick. You know, huge so movie this summer. Such an outlier. Like, yeah, I mean, very, you know, again, it was originally supposed to be, what, two, I think uh, 2019 launch, and it got pushed back uh, to production at first, and then got pushed back, obviously, through COVID. And, you know, when everything was opened up, like, did it hit just the right audience, the right time? Everyone needed something like that. I mean, obviously, the visuals and, you know, everything that it brought to it. It was my first movie you know, back to the to the theater after COVID. Really? Okay. Yeah, so I, I went without seeing a movie for that long. No movies at all. No theater movies. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. No theater movies. That was my first theater movie back. So. so, you know, I guess, you know, my thought to you guys is, you know, did it, like, one, what'd you think of it? Because obviously, you know, it's probably the number one movie of this year so far, but big numbers in theaters domestically and worldwide. So we kind of want to get your take on, you know, is Outlier, like you said, uh, for the for the summer blockbusters or is there still a formula that you see to where it still hits and can still bring big box office numbers like that again like we've had other numbers uh, you know I think the latest Jurassic Park was you know up there not up there there but you know it, it did pretty well uh, in it so you know kind of want to get your thoughts on summer blockbusters what brings people you know still to the seats and what do you see kind of for the future on that? Am, yeah. I, am I mistaken that John Wick 4 is coming out next summer? 2023 summer? I think it's May. Is it May? I mean, are we considering that yeah, summer? Yeah, it's considered. Yeah, March, so April. yeah, May, yeah through, May through July is considered summer. Yeah, so, I mean, they have pushed that for a multitude of reasons, but look where they pushed it to. Summer. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> okay, so summer blockbuster is not gone, obviously, because or any blockbuster, let's just say that blockbuster movies are not gone because Wakanda forever is going to do gangbusters. Mm -hmm. So if you have a blockbuster, you're going to make the money. When I say outlier, a top gun, I say outlier because I don't think even though blockbusters are still going to make money, I don't think any of them are going to do top gun numbers. Like top gun was running number one at the festival, like weeks. I mean, number one at the festival, God, number one at the cinema, like weeks later. Yep weeks yep. later it was still beating out movies that were like new releases mm -hmm. so i think there was a to the point that i i vividly remember thinking did it just come out right like i i my brain hurt for a second i'm going didn't this come out a month ago yeah no oh it came out this week right no it's been out a month like, a lot of factors yep a really great movie a lot of pent up like built back nostalgia for that mm -hmm. movie I'll, because of all the delays and everything else, I think a lot of people really wanted to see it. And then I think the marketing up to the movie release was phenomenal because they leaned into the real world filming of the movie and yep. they got that message out there so well yep. that I think there was just a lot of, there was a lot of interest and people really wanted to see it. And I, I hate, like, you can say what you want to about Tom Cruise. Like, no one makes a movie like Tom Cruise. No. No, he, he's he's figured it out. No one makes a movie like Tom Cruise. And so I think there was all those factors, you know, that led to the phenomena that was Top Gun. And as crazy as it may seem, I know a lot of my friends out there would bust me for this, but like, you know, that thing should win some Oscars. And not just and not just editing I can and get sound, a, I, which I is like what all that. the blockbuster movies yeah. VFX you know, not those where you really, where you really need to see it in a theater. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I was, we did IMAX Dolby Atmos mm -hmm. and it was amazing, you know? And then I watched it on the plane one, oh. one day <laughs> really? and on a flight and I was like, no better place to watch. I was going to say, did you, did you plane, feel like right? you were like, you know, spiritually connected with added them? to it for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, not this still a great movie to watch in any aspect, but not the same experience. Yep. You know, um, and so I definitely think you know it should be, and I think the performances and all that, like it was just such a well done movie. I agree. And you know, 
the director Krasinski or Krasinski, uh, I don't remember how to say his name, but the director did Oblivion. Oblivion was another case of like just a really well done movie. Story wasn't the greatest, but like Tom Cruise and him together made a phenomenally created like all the trade craft and everything that went into that movie, all the below the line skills people were uh, were executing at the top of their mm-hmm. game for that movie. And then it was the same for this movie. Yep. And um, I just put Oblivion on my watch list on Netflix. You like, haven't seen it yet? Th- no, no, like three days ago, just to wa- rewatch it. Oh, just it, rewatch. It popped up on my, you know. I'm curious. I want to do a rewatch on it too. Yep. I'm curious as to how I feel about it. Yep. On a rewatch. It showed up as, you know, recommended, like, I don't know, three, four days ago. I'm sure I'm still going to not like the story, but. Yeah, it's a little wonky of a story, but I'm also in agreement that it's worth a rewatch. Tradecraft wise, uh, looks, sounds, yep. score, all that stuff. Amazing. The principles behind the movie is, good, is yeah. great. Like, I, I like how, you know, they're, you know, well, you know, hopefully this isn't really that much of a spoiler, but like. You know, the, if, if it's spoiled, if you're getting I mean, Oblivion spoiled for you in 2022, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I like the principles behind Oblivion <laughs> with the with the clone components and the, yeah. the different grids that they can't go past, so they can, can they can centralize what they want in that grid. Like, it, I like the concepts behind it, and that's why I put it on my watch list. And I was like, oh, I'll probably watch it this weekend. Yeah, you know, pre-football during nap sort of thing. You know, put something on and do a task like around a the house. Nothing like a Tom Cruise movie to get you pumped up. There you go, right? You know, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make you run through some walls. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw. Yeah, I think I saw uh, it in theaters maybe three week three, four, five after release, and then you know it. Yeah, I thought they did you know a crazy job. They balanced the uh, you know the nostalgia, like you said, with you know everything it needed to be for you know a good theater experience. So. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, who is the early bookings for, uh, you know, the next couple of years in the in the Memorial Day, um, you know, kickoff of summer. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend, always something coming out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I mean, that's one of the things that kind of got me into the industry, you know, the summer blockbusters that you, know, you see three or four times as a kid. So maybe that's it, you know, maybe that's the goal. Make sure that people can sneak. Make sure the little kids can sneak in there and see it a couple times. Yeah, I don't think blockbusters are gone. Obviously, horror horror is like running, running things, running right things now. right now. Yep. I mean, it's doing every movie that is released is doing gangbusters at the theater. Yep. And um, so I still think people want that theater experience, right? I don't think that's dead. I just think you're gonna find less types of movies at the theater. It's gonna be very specific types of movies that run at the theater. They may run longer. Um, which I'm not against because, you know, a f- two, three, four week run is not enough for me. I no. can't always get there in that no, window. Not at all. Not with kids. Yeah. It's and, not happening. and work, you know, yeah. like life. So I think longer runs um, and more ways to watch and all that will be, you know, kind of how the theater lives in the future, you know. Um, but it'll be I'm all for like less volume and more quality at a theater too you know like if there were more screens that were imax and dolby Mm -hmm. and less screens that were like you know week six and you're in there with and it's a 50 person person theater or whatever you know like i'm all for more the bigger experiences that make me feel like i'm going to the cinema for something and just reduce all that other stuff so but you know start talking to them the execs let them know yeah you know i'm gonna send them an email tonight perfect love it they're uh, probably listening right now. So <laughs> yeah. thanks for the, you know, we appreciate the reminder. So, so, so you, yeah, you got Stu and I's um, trends. What's what's yours? What are you noticing? I mean, trends. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of what we're talking. You know, it was his blockbuster, my vertical. What's, what's I would say, I would say, I would say streaming. Like, mm-hmm. who's the streaming service or the company that you guys think gets bought out next year? Ooh. How, who who buys what streamer or who buys what company? Like oh, obviously, well, do we have a, obviously the top of obviously the top of my list is Lionsgate. I think someone could buy Lionsgate. That's a good point. There's a option well, of like it would take an I probably would take an act of God, but like Paramount and uh, NBC joining to make their streamers one thing. That's true. And um, didn't I just see recently that? cbs no what what streamer was up and running for like 
three weeks and had to close shop because they lost all their investors. Oh my God. Um, uh, it was yeah, like, a, it was, it was a super low level streamer. Don't get me wrong, but like it, they, interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't um, remember that one. My goodness. Um, on the flip side of that, yeah, it was actually announced, I think yesterday or just, just recently that, uh, Disney plus in terms of subscribers. And I think this includes ESPN plus and Hulu, Hulu. Yep. yep. It, you know, took over Netflix as like the number one, you know, Netflix right now is on the, you know, kind of on the decline decline. Yeah. Whereas other streaming services, Paramount plus doing great. So, you know, we have a couple of those things. I'm guilty, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't, it, um, and yes, you're right, Stu, but it wasn't who closed down shop. I just dawned on me what it was. HBO shut down like something crazy, like a thousand of, uh, pieces of content because the numbers weren't working in their favor and they had, yeah. and they had to they had to remove like something crazy like 1100 pieces of content off their platform that's what wow. it was i mean yeah i i got the sad news that uh westworld was not renewed you know canceled beyond i don't know if you guys never, got it, but never watched I, it past season one never watched yeah it. they should have should have stayed out west i told uh i told my wife that this morning we were talking yep. about you know just shows coming up and yeah hbo i mean paramount plus i'll tell you like you know is definitely obviously their list of entertainment properties is i mean they're they're growing but like the problem is that they're all seeing is that wall street has totally flipped the script on them all Mm -hmm. like a few months ago wall street valued subscriber growth yes now they don't now wall street is saying and you can tell this in the current earnings release and everything else and how netflix is changing the game on what they're valuing and everything that wall street is saying we care about profit we care about revenue again which is probably what they should have cared about in the beginning instead of growth and so now you're seeing everyone switch the game because yes disney added 10 million plus subscribers but their um arpu their friggin you know, value per subscriber, the revenue per subscriber is low, is very low. I mean, they're charging eight bucks per person. It's Mm going to go up to 11, but that's because they have to. So, you know, you look at places like Paramount and Peacock, whose Peacock's not performing that well, but, you know, they're really, what they're doing and the amount that it costs to make these shows, you know, yes, they add some subscribers, but they're not really doing that well. You know, there's a few, if Disney's struggling, everybody's struggling at, and you know, I would call Disney, I think most people would consider Disney plus a success. So, well, since the launch, when they launched in a very unideal time, I mean, they launched end of 2019 and sure enough, we all know what happened early 2020. So it was just, it was just quite frankly, shit timing. They couldn't, they couldn't predict it and they've overcome that and now look how massive the platform is. I mean, we just we just updated our our subscription to include Hulu, ESPN Plus and Disney because it was more conducive to our family. Yep. We've got the bundle. Yep. I yeah. I, I think that's another thing that happens. Yeah, I also also Go ahead. Also have the also have the bundle. Like I you know, I think that to your point, I think that maybe it happened at like the right time because I remember it, yeah, it was like the the fall and then everyone was at home. You know, and I think Josh exactly kind of what your your point to you know, Wall Street focusing on growth, like, you know, naturally, that's what, you know, kind of fueled, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, a lot of the, mostly inflated growth. You know, yeah, they didn't, of, they didn't really care things. about what they spent on stuff at the time, or what their yep. profit yep. was, because all they needed to do was add subscribers. Well, not now. Yep. So, yep. but I think the, I think the bundle worldwide, I think is the, I think the leader, you know, I, I think in the news and, you know, maybe we can get back to it, but I think it's somewhere around like the 300 million worldwide subscribers, mm-hmm. either a Hulu, an ESPN plus or a Disney plus right. or all three. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually Hulu is a part is like another square tile on Disney plus, you know, and that's where all the Hulu originals oh. are and they lose all the other stuff or they, or you can get your live TV on Hulu square mm-hmm. and it's all just brought to the Disney plus app in order to inflate and grow those subscribers to that app. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's an add on. So, you know, you can eventually there'll be an ES an ESPN square, yep. you know, and like consolidating all that for the sake of Disney plus is going to be probably how they have to go in the well, future. Yeah. ESPN and Hulu both 
uh, they do both live TV. You know, there's like they do, you know, some soccer and, you know, sports, obviously, and everything like that. But you can catch a lot of soccer, a lot of European worldwide, you know, football games on yeah. Hulu. And I do that, you know, sometimes like, you know, weekend mornings, grab a cup of coffee and watch some of that or, you know, some of the stuff, you know, on ESPN Plus. And I wonder how that'll affect. I wonder if they can't bring it in, you know, due to the fact that, yeah, you know, it's know. just Disney's. Disney straight up and it has to be segmented. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like def- most people def- talk to Hulu in the way of the only holdback is really just the amount that Comcast owns. And once that's fleshed out, there's really nothing stopping them from that point. Yeah, well, so, that price keeps going it, up. It's yeah. honest. It's honestly like a nostalgic YouTube, you know, because you, everyone watches YouTube and everything like that. It has, you know, ads running and everything like that. And I'll tell you, when I watch uh, Hulu and, you know, I think, you know, we're in one of the, the pack. I don't even know if they offer a, an, a full ads free Hulu, but it's almost like a, a YouTube, you know, you get a, like a lower tier and, you know, I think it runs just a couple ads throughout. And I think people are so used to seeing those things that I don't think it like the format really matters. I think Hulu, you know, is kind of what it is. It's like you get the rights and everything like that and you probably share ad revenue. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how, uh, the distribution deals made up, but well, everyone's adding an ad tier now. Yep. You know, Netflix yeah, is going to so- add it. Disney Plus is going to add it. Is Netflix though? Because they've been they no, they are they've been they saying are. it mm-hmm. left and right for oh, years. Yeah. They joined My- Microsoft is now a partner. Oh. They're going to clearly use Microsoft as the ad platform, and, um, and yeah, and then they're going to start charging for the additional accounts as well. So and and that's probably something that we can kind of touch upon. I think you know later on in the season, you know, we're going to kind of focus on our our business segments between, you know, two stories and and kind of what they do, and then you know greenlit and and what they're seeing too. And uh, you know, one of the things that is on my list to you know pick your brain about is like the you know all the new ad platforms that people mm-hmm. can get into. I think promoting entertainment content and from what we had talked about on my episode um, when I was on there you know, vastly different, you know, just expansive and kind of what you can do. I mean, all these, um, these services are starting to roll out, you know, their own ad platforms and kind of how you interact. So, you know, from what we had talked about before where there was only a couple and, you know, you kind of had to partner with a, you know, a media buy agency to get in there, you know, they're opening it up to, to everyone. Yeah. You can submit your own ads. It's going to open it up, democratize it a little bit, open it up to smaller, you know, mid-level companies that may want to do ads but haven't wanted to traditionally play, you know, pay the bigger broadcasting yep. costs. Yep. You know, it's going to open yeah. it up to a lot of them. And, you know, agencies will be able to directly submit now and stuff like that and not have to wade through the third party. So Yeah, and I think it, I think it comes at a good yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like it comes at a good point, too, where, you know, all these streaming services are still thirsty for good content. You know, I think that that's one thing that hasn't changed since the beginning and even more so that the demand is rampant for good new content that, you know, can be efficiently made and, you know, done well and, and getting there. But like being able to, you know, almost self-release your own stuff and be able to advertise mm-hmm. in these platforms if you're able to, you know, kind of come to a strike and, you know, a deal and everything like that. I think that that's something that, you know, I see a trend in and, you know, we have with, you know, Greenlit and kind of talked about those, but well, the consumer uh, is unforgiving to low-level content. Like if, if the story doesn't make sense, if the I visuals they, aren't there, I think they used for to sure. be. I think they used to be okay with it, but I think the last. I think the last. You know, more okay with it because especially That's, when you talk about like how podcasts start and and how like TikTok starts. You know, yeah. I would say a lot of the initial days of TikTok was low-level quality. It, yep. it was someone recording on their own iPhone, like kind of down and dirty. But TikTok now has their like is doing their own studios. They have it's bring, a look. you know it's a thing now. So I think everything kind of starts at a phase of quality doesn't matter, and eventually comes to quality matters. I think Stu can even say like in the advertising space, quality used used to be less important because you could dump a lot of money into SEO and online mm-hmm. ads and, and be seen and be seen and get traffic. But if you're and it didn't matter if your content was that heavy, but now it's coming back to with all the third party data being going away and mm-hmm. then blocking a lot of that off and you having to own it a lot more. It comes back to like, you need good content again. Yep. You need to actually grab people's attention with the content because you can't just necessarily go out and pay for it anymore. Yep. That's fair. Content's king. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, cash is king always. It's either cash or content. You know, it sways, it sways like it. And I think like we're in an era right now of, 
you know, content is king. And it kind of goes back to what Kevin said earlier in the podcast about, you know, how we consume media. And it's, you know, a combination of like that, you know, silent view of the media. Because, you know, you think about what a production takes and, you know, how fast you swipe on that. You know, like if someone, you know, they plan out three days and, you know, the bill's hefty to get a production together and they're shooting mm-hmm. shampoo on a table and, you know, production designers are paid and you pay the payroll company and the production company and the whole deal. And it all comes down to is 15 seconds of swipe left, you know, in like a story on a platform and, you know, you kind of never see it again. And so good, con- good content, you know, will always, will always prosper. So you know, I think that that's, uh, yeah, it, we can dive into that. I'm sure at, at, you know, later episodes as well too. So, all right. Yeah. I mean, Stu totally agree with, you know, your comments there. So I think, uh, you know, before we, we bore everyone to death, I think that we could probably call that a wrap on, you know, our first episode back. Glad everyone could like come watch us knock the dust off. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, we, we have a lot of, a lot of cool guests lined up. Yeah. Um, We've started working on that already. Yeah. And, you know, that was part of getting back. Um, You know, I think we'll bring back some old guests, let you see what's going on in their, in their world now. And we got some really great ones lined up, new ones. And yep. so. Yeah. Two Stories has a, has a um, distributing partner that will be real interesting to talk to him and see what kind of gear is, you know, being utilized out in the field and what uh, maybe he can, I don't know, but maybe he can tease a few things that are uh, upcoming. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, one thing we'd really like everyone out there to do as well is lay some comments on us and like, tell us who would you like us to get on the show? Who would you like to hear from? You know, obviously we were able to get some really great people on the first season, you know, DPs, Brandon Cox, you know, Seamus Tierney, you know, we had Randy Greenberg, executive producer of the Meg. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had some pretty heavy hitters. Right. And, you know, and Rap Book. I mean, those Rap Book, those episodes those episodes were were immensely popular. Yes. And I don't, I know personally, we both talked about it. We were saying like, you know, it's useful to us, but is it really going to be useful? Um, Tell us elsewhere? who you guys went on. Yeah. You know, entertainment lawyers, CPAs. You know. That's where I and a lot of that stuff as well. We yep. really want to give you guys a total picture of the industry. So, you know, but let us know who you're interested in, who you like to follow, who, you know, who's out there, you know, we'll definitely go after them. Um, and, you know, last but not least, sign up for our newsletter on the website. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a good talk, good recap. Uh, you know, a lot happened in the past two years and, you know, I think where we're all at and, what we have in store on the podcast, I think it's going to be good. So, uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. That's a wrap on this episode of FGI. It was edited by Ken Davis. FGI is a production of Two Stories Media and Greenland Entertainment. Subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple, or wherever your favorite podcasts are. <laughs>